So hello everyone. My name is Sam, and today I'll be hosting along with Chief. Uh, a very good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on which part of the world you are in. Uh, we are going to be discussing combined power of interoperability and real-world assets, as you must have read in the title. Uh, so just a quick reminder for each one of you: if you haven't joined in the our Discord yet, please do. We have very interesting stuff. Uh, going on there, uh, you can find the link in bio. Uh, Chief, passing over to you. Indeed, yes, thank you, Sam. Much appreciated. Um, well, look, um, let's kick it off, and um, uh, we'll we'll do the checks as we move through. Um, but um, welcome again for another uh, episode of X Talks, um, focusing a little bit on uh, interoperability tonight. Um, I know it's something that uh, uh, a lot of our listeners love hearing about, and uh, hearing what is coming in the world of crypto. I think it's going to be fantastic. Um, the ability to go cross-chain without using bridges, without that risk, without all of that, uh, those problems. And it's something that DeFi in particular has been screaming out for. You look at the, the number of hacks that occurred, uh, uh, I think it was um, uh, last year or the year before, whenever it was, um, over three billion US dollars hacked um, just in those, uh, uh, in, in, uh, on bridges. It's, it's quite scary. Um, they're just huge numbers. Um, so what I'd like to do is um, pass over to uh, each of our speakers to uh, um, to actually give us a little bit of an introduction uh, to themselves and their project, uh, a little bit about maybe their, their background, and um, especially for those thinking that those that are new to uh, um, uh, to crypto or to DeFi, it would be really good to hear about your uh, your project. And I'll pass over to uh, Hadia first. Yeah, hi. Thanks, guys. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, perfectly. Uh, cool. So uh, firstly, thank you so much for having us. And uh, this is actually Hash from um, RWA Finance. And uh, yeah, I'm actually in the space for around five years. Um, I started as a trader, instructor, and um, also as a marketing uh, manager and a branding manager. So I'm working with, uh, with RWA Finance as a branding manager. Uh, what is RWA Finance? Um, actually, we are a decentralized trading platform on our Patreon uh, for tokenized real-world assets, allowing users to swap various RWA and tokens using liquidity book, our, as you know, and our platform integrates the cutting-edge uh, services such as zero-knowledge, decentralized identity, and RWA tokenization. Um along with comprehensive launchpad. And additionally, we provide a suite of financial services also, including a lending protocol, uh, staking, uh, staking options, uh, also trading. Uh, we have a lot of options and a lot of solutions, let's say. Um, and yeah, to just make it more smooth for everyone. And we are trying to, uh, yep, yeah, to be from the good or solid projects in RWA overall. So yeah, that's it. Brilliant, thank you for that. And um, we'll go over to uh, to Jonathan next um, and have a little bit of an intro, if we could, please. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. So hi everyone, this is Jonathan. I'm a guardian at Nabla Finance, and to just rush through the USPs that we will probably touch upon a little bit more later. So. Nabla is a AMM with uh, a focus on, well, of course, all of the blue chip crypto coins, but also uh, for RWAs and Forex. And to make that worthwhile to all of the participants on our platform, 
comes with cool features, namely no impermanent loss. We have Oracle-informed asset pricing. And then we have a bunch of mechanisms to make it easy for asset issuers that they do not require as much um, liquidity to get their asset trading. So, um, yeah, this is how we want to cater to the RWA world. I think we're quite uh, well set up to do that. And, yeah, excited to dive into the details a little more. Brilliant. Thank you so much for that uh, introduction. And um, for those that uh, don't know, I mean, I'm sure most of our, our uh, listeners probably know what a RWA is, but it's a real world asset. So it could be literally anything from a, uh, from a traditional, um, traditional finance share all the way through to a, uh, to a building, to a, to a car, to a plane. It could be absolutely anything. Um, but uh, being able to tokenize those is such a, uh, an amazing thing that um, really only crypto can offer. And when you start thinking about it, yes, okay, it can be done through stock markets and things like that, but what about through, uh, through crypto to make it available? It's almost like um, if, you, if you consider the way um, markets are around the world, Every single country, um, you know, that's got any form of democracy um, has uh, some form of stock exchange uh, and even others that, that don't have democracy. Um, and they're crucial to the operations of, uh, of finance in the world and, and companies and, you know, whether it's a mining company or, a, or um, you know, companies like Apple or, um, uh, or any of those others. And being able to tokenize a physical product and also opening up the markets um, literally to be global so that it's so much easier for people to operate and, um, uh, and invest. Um, now, I know we're still trying to get the other guys up, up and uh, connected, and hopefully they'll be up very shortly. Um, I'm just trying to accept uh, some speakers at the moment. But um, what I'll do in the meantime, until we get those guys up, um, uh, Hashul, can you give us a little bit of an overview of the, your um, your project? What what problems are you trying to solve in the uh, in the DeFi space, and do you differentiate yourself from any other uh, projects out there? Yes, sure. Um, I'm sorry. So you can hear me good, right? Because your yes. voice is breaking. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's why. Uh, so uh, your question, like how we solve uh, uh, through our project, how we solve the issues, right? or yes. challenges in RWE. Okay, this is good. So actually, uh, or the, the first thing that we solve it through our um, uh, services, let's say, because we provide uh, services and uh, functions, as I mentioned. Um, the, the first thing that uh, the, I, I, it's very important for me because as I mentioned, one of the, my experience um, as educational or instructor. So the first thing, the awareness, because um, even for me, by the way, I'm uh, still new in RWA, like for seven months now. So a lot of people may be struggling uh, to understand what is tokenization, like how, how it works, you know, how we will change the traditional finance. So what is the new solution? Like what is actually the benefits from tokenization? A lot of people are still struggling in this. And not only RWA, to be honest, the blockchain overall. So a lot of people just talk about, you know, like Bitcoin, Bitcoin, even the blockchain we still need to share more awareness about what is the blockchain, you know? It's not only about crypto, not only Bitcoin, it's more than that. So um, so number one, the, um, to share awareness about RWA. 
And we do this, um, actually we do videos and a lot of AMAs with the community to educate our community uh, about the whole field, not only us, you know, not only RWA finance. And the second thing that um, it's also important and one of the challenges, the security concern, you know. So um, through our platform, or the overall, let's say, the overall uh, RWA, especially in DeFi, uh, security is has like a, a high risk, you know, because um, in the end, tokenization sometimes contain like some um, uh, sensitive data, you know. So through the smart contract, uh, through the, the blockchain protocols, uh, we for sure provide uh, or make our token or our platform more secure, you know. Um, so yeah, the transparency that we provide. So I believe this is the most important things, um, we actually solve and we care about. Thank you. Right, Neth, thank you very much. Um, I'm just going to touch a little bit on, um, uh, some of the, the, the various, uh, cryptos and things like, and coins and tokens that are out there at the moment. And, um, just to give people a little bit of an understanding and have a, have a think about this, that when you look at things like Bitcoin, and you, you then take, turn around and say, okay, well, yeah, Bitcoin's there and it's got a really high price and et cetera, and it goes up and down, you know, um, in, in, uh, in price movements every day and over months. But yeah, 43 what's now. the difference? <laughs> yeah. What, what's the difference between Bitcoin and, uh, say, a, um, uh, you know, a meme coin? The, the, and for me, when you look at Bitcoin, what what's what's the substance behind it aside from being um you know one of the first cryptos out there um as a store of wealth how does that differ from a meme coin except the size because the concept is probably very similar but when you look at real world assets what you're doing is you're actually tokenizing um a a physical real world asset a, a real world product and i think that's actually got a lot more substance to it uh, behind it than uh, the likes of bitcoin meme coins any of them really um, do you think you'd agree with that? I agree with you, but um, for for like Bitcoin, um, for everyone, it's actually like a lot of people, even in Mid Middle East, because I'm actually from Middle East. So a lot of people here, they think that because of the Bitcoin, we know the blockchain or we we know actually the whole industry. But this is not that correct, you know. So, Absolutely. yeah. Yeah. So Bitcoin is... Um, for us, it's like a digital gold, you know, like it's, um, um, we cannot say like we tokenize the gold to Bitcoin, but it's like, it has the same things like gold, you know? So for it's, us in the field, yeah. it's it, the digital it's, it's gold perception. for us. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. No, you're, you're right, but it's, but it's, it is perception of it as a product. Um, and I'm not knocking it. I'm, I'm saying it's just a, just something that people see. They consider it a digital piece of gold. Um, but with, Gold itself, you've got a physical product. So if you were to tokenize gold, does that mean it would be better than uh, uh, than um, Bitcoin? I don't know. It, 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 yeah, I know, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, um, even for me, to be honest, it's still confused uh, because uh, gold, to tokenize gold, I, I think, I, I'm not sure, but I think it's not that uh, easy because um, uh, I don't know how they can provide even the uh, security, for example, for, for this, you know. Uh, how I can make sure that it's pegged by this amount of gold. 
it's still not it's still confused to be honest especially the tokens backed by gold yeah look i think we're a little way away from tokenizing something like gold um simply because it has a such a a um uh, a higher physical worth uh, in comparison to others but um but certainly with tokenizing literally anything else from a from a, a house to a building to a shopping center to uh, a business to to literally anything um what i might do now is jump over to jonathan and uh, maybe give us a little bit of a um a view on what uh, problems you're trying to solve uh, uh, in in the DeFi space. Yeah, happy to. So uh, as an AMM, I think our main competitors probably are Uniswap, Curve. And yeah, so everybody, just to give an idea of um, what it is we are doing at the very core, um, our design is although pretty much different. So when you're providing liquidity in Uniswap, one of the greatest risks that you are facing is impermanent loss. Essentially, you're always selling the asset that is going up and buying the asset that is going down. Uh, that is a huge risk for liquidity providers. And protocols usually have to make up for that with token incentives. Uh, that can become quite costly. So that is a cost that is pretty much eliminated with Nabla because people can provide liquidity in one asset. Now, these asset prices are Oracle-informed, which is also important for <clears throat> liquidity providers. So let's say Bitcoin is going to a million dollars now and you're providing liquidity for Bitcoin in Uniswap. Well, you are going to sell Bitcoin all the way up to a million dollars and take a bad deal all the way there. So that is also mitigated here. And um, yeah, I think that is really, really interesting for RWA issuers or people that want to tokenize their assets. Uh, because let's say, for example, let's stick to the gold bars. You have five gold bars at home and you want to tokenize them and make them available for trading. Now, if you want to, let's say you go through the process of tokenizing them and now you make them available on Uniswap. Well, to make them tradable, you have your five uh, bars of gold tokenized, but you need to provide another asset that is tradable with it. So that is increasing the cost of making your gold bars tradable um, by a huge margin. And that is something that we are mitigating. So uh, issuers of RWAs, they do not have to um, yeah, shoulder the huge cost of all the liquidity, it is much, much, much reduced with Nabla. And I think that is positioning us quite well for this uh, RWA narrative to pick up just because it is much cheaper uh, to list it on Nabla compared to other platforms. And that should hopefully see some very interesting listings uh, happening at our platform. Yeah, I think I'll leave it at that uh, for now. Yeah, thank you. Sure. No problem. Thank you very much for that. Um, I also noticed we've got another speaker up here as well, and uh, it's, um, um, hopefully I can pronounce it correctly, Mikkel. Um, yeah, if you want to jump up and uh, introduce yourself, um, that would be fantastic. Hey, pretty close. I respond to anything that starts with an M, but it's actually Mikkel. Um, super glad to be here. I was on a space with you guys last week. Always very informative. Um, we're doing something a little different, I guess. We provide liquidity for the jobs market. So we're trying to bring more jobs to market, connect top talent with those jobs so that we can go further and faster collectively as a space. And that's a little bit about what I'm, I also work in gaming. I'm co-founder of a Web3 game launcher. Um, so yeah, happy to talk about any of the above. And RWA is just super hot right now. 
Um, and I'm excited to join in on this conversation as well. I have a little bit of a cold. I'm under the weather, so please excuse my voice as well. <laughs> well at least, at least we can't catch out over um, uh, Twitter Spaces. So. <laughs> For real. <laughs> uh, which, <laughs> and um, also, notice we've got another uh, speaker here. Um, and again, I'm going to have some problems uh, pronouncing these tonight. So, Brad, uh, that's about all I can see. So, if you jump up and uh, oh, say yeah, hello. you actually, you actually got the name right. Uh, but yeah, happy to be on the stage here with you all. Sorry, I've been having network. Uh, my internet connection is pretty bad, so that was why I couldn't speak earlier. But yeah, um, I'm also representing Nabla on the stage here, and um, I am the community manager from Nabla Finance, and uh, I've been in the space for almost like three to four years now, majorly. You know, uh, earlier on, it was just the crypto trading and then got interested into the community side, building and stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, very much interested in real world. Okay, that's brilliant. Thank you. Um, not sure if you just cut I off then. I have been on a space with Mikhail as well. Uh, I don't know if she can remember, but yeah, nice to see you here. <laughs> Likewise. No. Thank you so much for that uh, for that intro. Um, Mikhail, I'll, um, I'll jump back over to you to give a little bit more of an overview. Um, we've given the other, other projects a little bit of a chance to talk. Um, so tell us a little bit more about um, uh, your uh, your project and um, uh, also basically what it does and, and what sort of problems you're solving. And that's across to you, Mikhail. Oh, geez. I'm so sorry. <laughs> repeat the question. <laughs> uh, not a problem. Two seconds. Um, so give us a little bit more of an overview, a little bit more information about um, uh, the project and also what sort of problems you're trying to solve out there in the world. Yeah. So twofold, because, you know, I do work for the Game Launcher and then Crypto Recruiters. So we're really trying to solve ownership. Like in, in Web2 Gaming, there is, and we call it Web2 Gaming in this space, but it's obviously just traditional gaming to them. Um, you know, there's this illusion of ownership of assets. You spend $10 on a Fortnite skin, you think it's yours, but you can't buy, sell or trade that. Like we're all very familiar with this concept and comfortable with this concept in the space that you don't own that that asset, whatever you've purchased, and that it can be taken away from you at any time. Like CSGO at one point rugged every account with over $100,000 worth of value in assets just because it's that top-down centralized ecosystem. Um, but the players really believe that they own these things. Like it's just, there's a disconnect. Honey, hold on, mama's on the space. I also have my son here this morning, sorry guys. Uh, so they have this illusion of ownership and it's it just makes it, you know, it, it's that disconnect, right? So what we're trying to do is bring that evangelical argument argument to web two and let them know like hey just because you think you own this like decentralization and owning your own wallet and owning your own assets that means something completely different um and yeah sorry i gotta get my son real quick but i'll come back <laughs> no problem okay um all right so what we'll do is um uh, uh Michelle's given us a little bit of an overview of hers so what we might do is move back over to uh Hedia now and um if you can give us a little bit of an idea of um, um any successful projects um, anything that's been in your space um, where the tokenization of those real world assets has impacted the financial landscape, um, uh, that would be really good. Thank you. Yeah, um, to be honest, I, I don't have um, a specific example. Maybe once we 
launch our platform, you know, so <laughs> we will be okay. this success. Well, <laughs> successful. Maybe, yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe what you can do is give an idea of what, um, so you, you've identified, you know, problems that you're trying to solve there, but maybe expand, if you can expand on that a little bit about um, how you're going to do it. Look, um, I would tell you something about also the, the because there's a lot of projects now, uh, new projects, even like, like us, they want to enter the RWE space. So, um, and as I mentioned from the beginning, it's still like a new era for uh, a lot of people. And RWE believe that if you have a good and a strong uh, finance um, background with for sure the blockchain, you would be amazing, you know, but uh, like any project have a solution, um, for or in the RWA, it means that it would be a successful project in the end, you know. So what we want to do that we want to provide, uh, for example, like more security, liquidity, uh, uh, we want to share more awareness uh, and to educate our community for sure and others, but uh, number one, our community. So they can understand how we do the tokenization, how we, for example, like how we do tokenized assets, what the type of the assets that we stick to. For now, for us, we just uh, focus with the real, uh, uh, real estate and um, stocks. Um, maybe other projects, they have different assets, but this is the two uh, things that we focus on right now. But in the future, we have a plan to tokenize anything Literally, if, even if you have your car and you want to tokenize it, we can do this, you know. Uh, but for now, we just focus on real estate and um, uh, like, uh, as I mentioned, the stocks. So, yeah, like th that's overall. <laughs> Thank you. No, brilliant. Thank you. Um, so now over to uh, to Jonathan. If you give us a little bit of an example of any particular projects or anything that, um, uh, that you've uh, worked uh, with for or... Uh, that actually uh, look at tokenization of real-world assets and how it's impacted the financial landscape. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, one of the most overlooked RWAs probably are stablecoins. And we probably all agree the impact on the web-free space has been massive, right? So instead of having to cash out your holdings whenever you want to uh, yeah, go into dollar or any other stablecoin, you would have to yeah, sell your coins, put it in your bank, and with stable coins, that is all history. So, um, yeah, that is probably um, one of the biggest shifts in Web3 that we have seen. And for the future of RWAs, um, I'm very, very interested in seeing how they will integrate in DeFi. So all of the things that we are currently doing in DeFi, lending, borrowing, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how that is going to um, yeah, intertwine. And um, yeah, so just the ability to interact with your assets in a DeFi landscape. So if you're buying gold for now, well, you can have them in your hand and wait for a higher price and then sell them again. But how I envision the RWA space is that you can, well, collateralize your gold, take out a loan against it, and that is freeing up capital. And there's a very, very strong point why tokenization of RWAs is making sense. And um, yeah, that is what I'm quite hopeful uh, for to emerge pretty soon. And I think it will be another huge shift in uh, Web3. And yeah, I'm very, very bullish on now the ability that Web2 and Web3 can really interact in a meaningful way. 
um, that we provide real value to assets that exist in the real world. And yeah, very excited to see how that all pans out. But uh, yeah, for the most part, I'm just an observer here. But uh, yeah, with Nabla, we now have the ability to also uh, make them available to a much greater audience while reducing the cost of introducing these assets. So uh, yeah, I'm very, very excited for what the future has to bring here. Brilliant. Thank you for that, Jonathan. So what I might touch on now is um, it's it's good to to talk about all the um, the possibilities and capabilities that are coming across uh, raw world assets, but throughout um, and this is across to uh, to all the speakers, um, we're now going to go through talking about the challenges not, um, that you faced um, or the or the problems that you see, um, and it really comes back to uh, when we identify those problems, it actually enables us to focus on solving them and um, working out the best way to move forward. And then that actually opens up more opportunities um, uh, for the integration side of it. So maybe give us a little bit of an overview of those challenges and, and where you see the opportunities. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to be with a challenge with your project. It could be in, in the real, real world asset side of things, or even um, when we're talking to uh, um, 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 uh, got in front of announce it again, sorry, uh, Michaela, Michaela um, <laughs> around the, um, the recruiting or the gaming side of it as well. Yeah, I'll one thing with you. Yeah. we've thought about quite a bit with gaming is um, selling entire accounts. And I guess it's like, I mean, that that would be, <laughs> that's like a fine line between like a digital item and a, a real world item, but it's like the whole account, right? So my son will have these accounts in, in different games online or whatnot, and they'll acquire a certain amount of value, like a couple hundred bucks. And there's a difficulty in selling these accounts. So they're not NFTs, they're not items. It's like a login and a password um, and safely transferring those to the new owner when somebody buys them. There's like a whole marketplace for this, but a lot of people are really getting scammed in it. So finding a way, um, that's something we're very interested in, finding a way to tokenize entire accounts for different games and allow people to sell those. I think that would be um, a pretty interesting use case. Chief, I think you have muted yourself. There I go, talking again to myself. Great. <laughs> okay, thanks, Sam. Um, Hadia, if you can um, give us a little bit of an overview of the same question around the challenges and where you see those opportunities. Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, I believe, like um, I already mentioned, uh, the most challenge uh, uh, that we want to solve uh, the security concern, as I mentioned, and also the liquidity. Um, so, in you know, like increasing the liquidity in tokenization, uh, this it will enhance more the market, uh, and also it will open the door. I always say that um, RWA it's an open door for everyone because you have literally unlimited accessibility as an investor if you are a big investor like a small one a trader um, even if you uh, owner for a business so because of tokenization uh, yeah there's more opportunities and the security as i mentioned is through the blockchain is through the smart contract uh, the transparency that the blockchain provides for us and for everyone so i believe this is most the two challenges and also that we need to address these challenges through our uh, project or platform or even the other uh, projects so yeah that's it thank you thank you yeah and now over to uh, to jonathan 
the same around the challenges and the opportunities. Yeah, so let's start with the challenges. Um, I would say one of the challenges is, of course, redeemability. So you have a RWA. How do you, well, extract the value, get it into your bank account or, well, redeem it for a bar of gold? I think like there is a lot of questions still surrounding that. Um, also, the price tracking of RWAs um, is a little bit tricky. For example, a bar of gold is very easy to track. But if you're tokenizing your car, um, well, if you're, if you're crashing it, how does the blockchain know? So there is a little bit of a question mark uh, still surrounding that. And then there is also compliance. So I hate to be a little bit blackpilled here, but uh, in the European market, there is quite the regulatory challenge ahead. Probably uh, some of you guys are aware there is the whole Mika regulation coming up. And one of the things that is going to be very, very relevant for all of the protocols wanting to cater to Europeans is that, um, yeah, well, compliance. So, for example, a court can issue um, a statement to circle the issuer of USDC and they can um, basically blacklist um, the USDC in your wallet. But if you're providing liquidity in USDC against Ethereum on Uniswap, for example, well, they cannot really comply with that. So that is a challenge that issuers and protocols have to tackle very soon. And that is something that we are already well prepared for. Um, so, yeah, we are expecting more regulation to be coming our way here. And we are already yeah, trying to establish ourselves in a way that we are um, yeah, able to react swiftly to all of these regulations. So that would be um, the challenges. Um, there is, of course, also the cost of liquidity. You're launching your gold bars tokenized, but to make them tradable, well, you need liquidity. That is something that we tackle as well, because you can provide um, liquidity in a single asset. For the opportunities, um, yeah, there's going to be the DeFi integration. So you are borrowing treasury, well, you're buying treasury bills. And if you are able to collateralize them in some protocol, well, you can free up your uh, capital again. And I think that will really, really open the door for some interesting um, place here. But uh, yeah, I also see it as a huge opportunity for crypto to really make tangible real world um, effects that people uh, do not necessarily know that they're interacting with blockchain again, you know, that old meme. Um, but yeah, I think with RWAs, it is just becoming so feasible for providers of financial assets to be switching over to the blockchain that um, this could actually become the truth very soon, that people, well, they are trading stocks in their Robin Hood counterpart, and they are actually dealing on the blockchain. So that is a big opportunity that I see for crypto as a whole that is emerging from the RWA narrative. No, thank you so much for that. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to um, um, open it up a little bit to, for the discussion around where and how each of you see the the ability to for interoperability to uh, to play a part um, uh, in crypto or in in blockchain in in your particular projects, the ability to be able to go cross chain without having to use a bridge, um, to be able to integrate and, and transact between whether it's any DEX or any exchange or um, any of those uh, um, yeah, um, institutions, how would that affect you? Um, and first, I'll, I'll jump across to Hadir. 
Oops, I think you're still on mute. Are you with us, Hadir? Maybe not yet, maybe busy. Uh, in that case, I'll jump across to Mikel. Um, if you can just give us a little bit of an idea of how uh, being able to go cross-chain um, uh, without using a bridge, um, how that would impact you. Yeah, I think for gaming, that's something that everybody's really focused on, right? Like every single chain is putting hundreds of millions of dollars into, you know, supporting huge games coming out to, to market. They're not all going to be EVM. There's going to be some on Solana. There's going to be some on Sui. Uh Obviously, AVAX is doing some really cool things. And then there's like the subnets on AVAX. So there's still a long ways to go. Like gamers aren't going to want to come and log in through five different wallets and five different gaming ecosystems to play games across these, these different chains. They're just going to want one single access point where all of the games exist. So that's been a huge focus. And I've seen some pretty cool like chain, like layer ones that have been aiming to solve this and some kind of neat technology wired as one. Um, so hopefully we're a lot closer. I feel like we are a lot closer than we were like this time last year, but we still have a ways to go there to really simplify mm -hmm. the ecosystem to where it's, you know, has the well, potential to attract Web2 gamers. Yeah. Well, I'd just like to add to that, that um, uh, I think uh, what we produce is actually um, pretty unique because we've actually got the ability to go cross-chain without using bridges. And we can do that between EVM and non-EVM chains. So we've got Solana right. there and we'll be connecting up Bitcoin um, uh, before the halving. So, well, we should chat. Um, I'd love to learn I think more. So. <laughs> Indeed, yes. Um, so, what I might do is I'll pass over now to uh, to um, Jonathan. Maybe you can give us a little bit of an idea how um, the ability to go cross chain, that interoperability between uh, previously incompatible chains, would help. Yeah. So, as you already mentioned, bridges are a very, very uh, big attack vector that gets trained quite often. Uh, so that's always a big risk for everybody that is interacting with bridged coins. Um, so I really think one of the ways, of course, to mitigate that is if issuers are launching their assets on multiple chains. As we can see with USDC, USDT, they exist natively on these chains. So that is, of course, mitigating some of the bridging risk, but these are huge projects. And of course, it's not going to be feasible for every protocol to be uh, launching on multiple chains. Um, yeah, I really think it depends on the use case. If you are, for example, offering tokenized stocks, um, probably the end user does not care whether these stocks live on Ethereum or AVAX. Uh, they rather care about having a smooth interface, a smooth user experience. So I think it's really up to the protocols to yeah, abstract um, that a little bit so that the end user really doesn't have to be concerning himself with that. For the crypto native people, of course, it is very, very interesting. Um, yeah, so for our um, protocol, we are currently still exploring which chain to launch on. That is um, something we are diligently exploring. And that is something that is uh, playing a huge role for us as well. Um, interoperability, do assets exist natively on one chain? That would be, of course, much preferable. Um, so yeah, these are things that we are uh, looking out for. Generally, very bullish on interoperability. I think, um, yeah, the time for tribalism in crypto is pretty much over. Happy to see it. 
Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to a future where people don't care whether their asset is living on ETH or AVAX. I think that will be also a very uh, beneficial thing for the whole space. I think you just hit the nail on the head there, uh, Jonathan, with that. Um, because why should people care what chain a particular asset is on? They just want that asset. They want to be able to uh, to, to purchase it. They want to be able to trade, to buy, sell, do, do whatever. Um, and also, why should they have to choose a particular chain? Why shouldn't they just be able to go on chain and transact? Isn't that right? So I think it's more of the yeah, it's more of the AVEX people, of course, advocating for AVEX is going to be the number one facilitator of that, and of course, that is true for every other chain. Uh, so, yeah, very, very much excited to see where this is going. Everybody wants their chain to be the uh, the one, the successful one, and I think um, the market it'll make its own choice about you know what chain is the is the predominant one over the over the coming years, and maybe that'll change around a little bit. But um, you know, um, I think uh, where we come from is that we're just going to unite those chains and let people make the choice about where they want to be. I think that's uh, that's actually really really important. So yeah, um, I, I just want to. I'm sorry, if, firstly, because my internet is actually not that good. I'm sorry. So um, for this uh, about this question, um, our platform, mm. by the way, on Arbitrum and also on Polygon, and we want, as I mentioned, the future like to launch more in uh, our project in more chain because uh, cross chain, I believe, it affects um, RWA um, in a good way because in the end, uh, you can increase the liquidity, the accessibility for the tokenized assets, and um, it would be more. Uh, uh, like because you know cross chain it would be more effective uh, especially for the rwa transactions within the decentralized uh, finance the defi so i believe it's effect in a good way and a positive one and this is one of our plan to be more in you know like more have, having more chains yeah indeed yeah no, absolutely brilliant um so when we're talking about those reward asset side of things um what about the um, the compliance uh, and the regulatory frameworks that are out there? Um, how do you work around that, um, or how do you how do you comply with that? Even uh, it's probably a closer to the to reality. And um, I'll open that up to whoever wants to go first. Um, whether that's Mikel or uh, Jonathan or um, uh, oh, hang on, I think we've just lost uh, lost somebody in there. Anyway, we'll open it up. Start with Mikel if you want. Yeah, maybe maybe some family interference here. Yeah? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Well, we've got to take into account people have a life, so definitely go for it, Jonathan. Uh, sorry, can you repeat the question? I just got lost in my script here a little bit. Yeah, so no, it's really around um, um, compliance and regulatory frameworks. How do you um, work with that? How do you um, how do you solve that? Yeah, thanks. So of course, it starts first with the issuer of an asset. So um, well, depending on where you are in the world, you have to comply with a different set of rules. Uh, so I think that would be the first step. Then for the protocol to be operating, um, yeah, also within compliance around the world. That will also be 
um, yeah, probably a legal process to be ejecting um, on whether this protocol is meeting all of the criteria. But that is still all in the works, of course. Regulation always tries to catch up to innovation. And I think like that is what we are seeing currently now. Um, I touched upon it earlier. Um, so in Europe, it will be mandatory that um, assets can be blacklisted if requested by, well, let's say the government for a lack of a better idea of which institution it's going to be like. But yes, that is coming to Europe. So uh, if you are having an asset, you need to be able to blacklist it under certain conditions. And that is going to be posing a huge challenge to protocols, to assets. Um, and that is something that we want to be able to uh, facilitate. So because we are dealing with a um, yeah, highly regulated environment with Forex, RWAs, uh, we want to be proactive in trying to comply with future regulations even. So if somebody um, is requesting us to, to blacklist assets, that is going to be uh, possible. It doesn't put the protocol at risk as it is currently with Uniswap, for example. I explained if your Tether, if your USDC are getting blacklisted, but you're having them uh, provided on Uniswap, well, you can kind of circumvent that blacklisting. The European Union doesn't like it, and therefore a lot of these protocols are running a risk of not being compliant anymore. And yeah, that is what we want to tackle. So we want to make sure that um, we are ready for all of these um, yeah, challenges. And I, I'm feeling quite confident that we are frankly. Brilliant. Thank you, Jonathan, for, that, uh, for all of that. Um, and I'll jump over to Mikkel. If you're um, still available, I'm not sure if you're... Uh... No, maybe not at the moment. Maybe you have slightly preoccupied if you hear things. And over to Hadir then. A little bit of an idea on um, um, how um, compliance and uh, those regulatory frameworks uh, can um, maybe not, not even just hinder you, but um, help you as well. I think we've probably just lost Hadir again. Um, I think some of the people are jumping in and out tonight because they're... Um, They've got some pretty poor internet connections. Uh, Michaela, are you back with us? Yes. Sorry. Not a problem at all. That's fine. Compliance. Man, it's like you can't live with it. You can't live without it. Right? Oh, yeah. like, <laughs> oh, I yeah. think you have to kind of break stuff in this space. And to me, like, we're not all going to be winners. Like, some of us are going to have great products and take those risks and get shut down by, like, by lawsuits and things like that. It's, it's like... It's just what we have to do early in the space is kind of like break things to like disrupt the old system. Because if we do everything like completely compliant and incrementally go slow and tiptoe up to that line and then wait until they approve a moving of the line, like we will never get anywhere as a space. So I really just applaud all of the builders who are out there kind of like breaking things a little bit. Um, and forcing the attention on regulations so that we can get these lines, lines moved because the, the financial system is just broken, right? Like I think everyone can agree that it's not working for everyone. It's working for a select few and the, you know, the people that it's working for are going to protect that. So um, I appreciate compliance. I think we like need it eventually, but I think, you know, the builders out there kind of shaking stuff up and, and making people look at and reevaluate like, the laws around our financial system. Um, I just really applaud them and thank them for, for their work. 
Absolutely. Um, and look, none of us like all of that compliance. And I, in my career, I've done a little bit of work around that space with the old, um, uh, this is going back a little while, the old uh, SOX or what they call Sarbanes-Oxley laws uh, in the uh, traditional banking world. And that was pretty full on, um, very boring work, but full on. Um, but um, I'm going to move on now um, to um, looking at looking at things from a user perspective. So being able to tokenize real world assets or in, in fact, any form of asset, um, whether it's an RWA or a, even the gaming side of it, um, how does that um, democratize the access to, to, uh, to either traditional financial instruments or even across um, whether it's DeFi or gaming? Because ultimately they're, you know, it's all uh, transactional. Um, and who wants to go first? Um, maybe Jonathan? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I think much broader access to financial instruments is, of course, a positive. Um, compliance is playing a role here as well. So usually it involves passing KYC in some form. But still, passing KYC is, of course, much easier than getting access to, well, the American stock market, depending on where you are in the world. So, yeah, it's going to make it more easy, but of course, it's also going to make it uh, a little bit more risky. You have to manage your own keys. And uh, yeah, I think like that is one of the um, challenges still. Uh, I think a lot of people are more comfortable with trading on a Robinhood account than, um, yeah, storing their key somewhere safely and then they um, run a risk of losing it. That is a real headache for a lot of people. So. I think um, that is something that we'll have to solve too in this space. But I see that really as one of the few remaining hurdles. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think I'll leave it at that. Okay. Thank you, Jonathan, for that. Um, and Mikkel, any thoughts or comments about the uh, things from a user perspective? Um, and how does it democratize access to traditional financial instruments or even, the, even on the gaming side, anything? Yeah. Um, just generally, I guess, you know, that will like large swaths of the world are unbanked and don't have access to like traditional markets of any kind, let alone like Robinhood or any type of exchanges. So in a decentralized world where anybody can, you know, connect, create their own wallet and then connect to different exchanges, you know, they're, they're going to have access, maybe not to everything. And it may be not perfect. You know, it may be, there's a lot more risk involved, but for me, like I would rather take on risk than not have access period, because I know if I don't have access period, I have like zero chance of ever improving my financial situation. Uh, I think you're right there. You're totally right. And uh, let's see if we've got any of the other speakers coming back up again. Uh, Brad. Yep. Oh yeah. Um, so to add to that, I think um, Mikila has already said it. So the, the tokenization of the real world asset gives uh, the people from the third world countries the ability to, you know, participate in that uh, side of the market. And then in the general crypto market as well, it's uh, opened up a new market space for like the whole uh, crypto space because we are talking about bringing the traditional finance on-chain. So it's like bringing new opportunity to the users. Hmm. No, thank you so much. Appreciate it. And I think you're right. Um, 
uh, I did a um, bit of a, a global trip last year, and um, uh, one of the things that we saw was uh, in, in certain countries, which people would call third world, um, and you actually start seeing people on the side of the road paying for, uh, for things you, using crypto, um, irrespective of which one it was. The fact is, you, we're starting to see faster adoption from some of those countries of, uh, of crypto as, um, as a means of payment, as a store of wealth. Um, we get countries around the world that have um, pretty poor uh, economies um, or you know, pretty bad inflation. And being able to move assets into, uh, uh, into, into crypto actually enables them to, uh, to safeguard the value of their, uh, of their, um, of their money. Um, so what we're going to touch on now, sorry, go on, yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I'm more like speaking, say, saying that from experience perspective, because what, what you are just saying, uh, I am also from one, uh, one of the third world countries, and I can tell you this, my country is one of the top countries with highest um, crypto volume in the whole of Africa. And um, the way the adaptation of crypto is going on here is very, very, very massive. So yeah, even in the third world country, it's, it's growing rapidly. And um, it's interesting to see uh, what it will be in the next, you know, three to five years. And I think um, one of the things that crypto and blockchain in general is going to introduce is the ability to level um, uh, level the playing field. And uh, I know that sounds quite generic, but imagine being able to uh, to give countries um, um, the ability to to trade literally anything uh, using crypto, and you've got the safety and security that. Um, uh, that blockchain offers with those transactions, um, I think that's something that we're we're going to start seeing. A lot of those countries that we we might have previously described as third world as probably being the fastest adopters because it's, it gives them the biggest um, benefit. And unfortunately for those, uh, if we look at uh, say across to America, the amount of regulation. I know we spoke about it earlier, but um, the the um, the compliance and the regulatory frameworks that are being put in place or or that they're trying to, to put in place and block crypto and do all those sort of things is is really over to those financial um, institutions trying to safeguard their um, uh, their space. Um, I actually don't think they have a choice. It's going to happen whether they like it or not. Um, but what they want to try and do is to own it. And I think it's over to people like us and projects that uh, like us to actually uh, um, take that ownership back and give it back to the people. Um, that to me is where we're going to start seeing a significant shift. And let's sort of hope that these uh, these projects do uh, achieve it. Some of them might fall by the wayside. Um, others are going to be very, very successful. And, uh, you know, um, can we pick them? No. Um, it just depends on the drive of those, uh, of the founders, of the developers, of the, the people who are, um, uh, who are marketing it, all of the teams. Um, so moving on from there, I'm, I'm just going to touch on um, uh, where do you, what, what role do you see uh, smart contracts um, and blockchain overall? Um, how do you see that playing um, uh, with the transparent execution of transactions? Um, and maybe I'll throw it out to Jonathan first. Yeah, I mean, the, the benefit of having an immutable ledger is, of course, um, yeah, very obvious. So transparency, immutability... Well, hopefully also low transaction costs. Um, yeah, these are features that we want to expect from Web3. And hopefully uh, Web2 will integrate blockchain. I think that is really our biggest chance here. So all of the current providers of RWAs, 
um, they making their switch to, to blockchain to enjoy all of these benefits. Um, I think that is probably a huge move waiting to happen. So traditional brokers utilizing all of these benefits and without their users perhaps even noticing. Um, yeah, that is what I'd be looking forward to. Excellent. And um, what I might do is open that up to yeah. uh, Mikel. Oh, uh, Brad, if you're on, if, if you're already uh, speaking, go for it. <laughs> yeah, uh, just to add to, to add to that, you know, with uh, with smart contracts comes a lot of um, automation. So this takes away the the need to have like a middle middle entity to you know uh, do the verification of stuff like that. So smart contract basically takes away all that stress and then it also saves time uh, and i think it's uh cost efficient as well but yeah totally agree with you there um and i think um that's something that we've focused on is uh, the ability to be able to transact in a, in a much faster safer um, and cheaper manner um being able to go cross chain where you're actually transacting from one wallet to the other rather than having to go through things like those bridges to uh, uh to you know pass over control to the bridge where they get hacked, having to panic and wait for... Um, we actually had one project um, that we're talking to going back a few months where they were taking seven days to uh, to to um, reach finality. Um, it, it's crazy. This is crypto. It should be done in seconds, if not milliseconds. Uh, and that's something that we're uh, we're introducing on, on uh, Layer 1X. We can do that within, um, uh, you know, around 500 milliseconds. Um, and it also depends on the other chain uh, because we're constrained by their speed. But... Having, being able to do that is absolutely huge. Um, so I'll throw it open to Hadir, um, if you're still with us. Um, maybe give us an idea of uh, um, the user perspective for um, uh, the tokenization of assets and, and democratizing access. Yeah, I'm sorry. Actually, the voice is breaking you and the speaker, so I don't know. Uh, so uh, yeah, regarding the, the, I believe the last question, the smart contract, uh, how it affect um, or how it works in the RWA overall. So I believe the yep. smart contract, uh, one of the most important thing for sure in the whole industry, because uh, it's ensure the not only the security, but also the ownership and the transaction, you know. So uh, because of the smart contract and the blockchain, we can uh, have more safe and secure and transparency, uh, as we mentioned before, and also the old speakers. So, uh, yep, this is one of the things that we need to tokenize the RWA, uh, like, or to enter RWA within the DeFi uh, world. So, yeah, that's it. Thank you. No, thank you very much for that. Um, I think we've had a few few issues with people with uh, some internet connections, and um, to be honest, I think uh, that occurs anywhere in the world. Um, especially when you're trying to bring together a, a lot of people to uh, to talk online. Um, but maybe now what we might do is do a little bit of a quick touch, go through, talk to everybody about um, looking to the future, about the trends that you see um, and whether you see a convergence of those RWAs and uh, decentralised finance overall. Um, yeah, what do you see as a future? Um, start off with um, uh, Mikel, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. So kind of like, I guess, touching on the last question too about, um, you know, where the smart contracts and the, like the different benefits that we have here in blockchain. So just 
we had like I think a lot of people fud like the financialization and crypto and like that kind of heavy aspect, but like we wouldn't have people here building smart contracts and as much money pouring into the space in terms of VC capital. We wouldn't have all the incredibly talented and smart builders here if there weren't those like financial aspects. And I think that's something that like really works about capitalism, right? Like we incentivize people building the things that are very much needed by society. And I think over time, like the financialization kind of will phase out, right? Like to me, crypto is 100% the new infrastructure of the internet. It is going to take time to port like these legacy systems over to this new infrastructure. There has to be sufficient incentive for people to do so. Um, but I really see that happening. And then we're not, you know, like they, these are the gold rush years, right? Like this is when people are going to speculate and get rich and make bets on on who will be, what will the ultimate chain be? What will the ultimate technology be? And that's all fine and great. But ultimately, we're moving to a future where people can transact safely online and people can, you know, have access to these financial instruments that they otherwise would not be able to. And it just really takes like power away from centralized governments and stuff too, which is a whole nother topic. But it's something that I am very excited about for the future. So um, just really happy to be here building with you guys. Fantastic. Uh, thank you for that. Um, over to Jonathan now. Yeah, so from a personal perspective, I'm really, really curious to see on, uh, yeah, how I can increase my capital efficiency. So maybe even buying treasury bills will be something uh, I would consider personally. Um, since we are all involved with crypto, I think we probably rather own Bitcoin, Ethereum than um, S&P 500 stocks. But um, with RWAs coming to crypto, um, for me personally, it will open up a completely new field that I will be very eager to explore. And uh, yeah, hopefully that can catch a lot of the existing crypto crowd and hopefully also bring a lot of the well Web2 crowd over to crypto. Um, yeah, so this is where I see this going. I want to buy treasury bills. I want to collateralize them, take out a loan and boom, you name it, eight more steps down the road, I have tripled my capital um, in some sense. That is what I'm personally uh, very, very eager to explore. Brilliant. Thank you. And Hadir, would you like to uh, give us a, your views on uh, on the future? Yeah, sure. So uh, I believe, uh, like from my opinion, that after maybe four years around, we would be, we'll see a, a huge um uh, industry because of RWA because as I said it's like a door and I believe even the regulation side the compliance side uh, the all even the governments the all countries will be able to enter the blockchain and crypto space through the tokenization world um, so even like I I I meet also close friends they don't believe in crypto still I don't know how but they don't believe but because of tokenization when I talk to them about tokenization they think about crypto in a different way, about blockchain in a different way, you know? Because as I told you, uh, we just need to share more awareness about blockchain, how the blockchain can do, you know, for all of us. And one of the things that tokenization, you know? So uh, I believe, yeah, it would be crazy more. <laughs> so that's it. Brilliant. And I think um, you just hit the nail on the head for people who uh, don't really understand blockchain and they think it's just a, a thing. They just don't really get it. When you start talking about those RWAs and, and how they can actually tokenize certain certain things in um, that they invest in, um, I think you ind indicated you're over in the uh, uh, in the Middle East. Um, I'm guessing Dubai. Um, 
imagine uh, being able to tokenize um, uh, not just assets, but but also your own personal data. Um, imagine being able to take control of that back um, where you own it, you own who sees that data, who, who can actually market to you so that you're actually earning from it. It's yet another type of asset. Um, but uh, I think they're the, they're the sort of things that we're going to start seeing coming up in the future. And I might yeah, pass over to you know, Brad now. There is one of oh, the sorry, examples. I'm sorry that I just remember now that there is a restaurant here. It's like a, a restaurant mixed with cafe. I, I found that they tokenized the restaurant through an NFT. It was really like the first example, like live. I saw it here in Dubai. Uh, so when I went to the restaurant, I found there's a lot of NFTs, different NFTs and different assets. And they told me that they tokenized their asset that the, about the restaurant through an NFT. So here in Dubai, the hype is getting more, you know, so uh, and I believe we will see a different examples and a different ways about tokenization. I think that's brilliant. Uh, Brad, um, over to you. Sorry, I kind of missed the question. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really about where you see um, uh, the future um, and the, the, maybe the convergence of those real world assets uh, um, and the tokenization of them and, and DeFi in general. How is that going to, how do you see the future and especially for, uh, for where you are in the world? Yeah, I would say um, in terms of that, uh, for me particularly, uh, I have been using uh, stable coins particularly to save money in uh, USD, USDT. So and I'm kind of using it as a way to hedge against inflation uh, in my country. So that's like one, one use case, right? And then, you know, uh with stable coins there's a lot of payment systems that are already integrating the use of uh, stable coins to pay to make payments with your cards you know and then also uh uh i think another use case would be the forex so uh exchanging one currency with another currency is going to be made very very easy with the use of you know, DeFi. So, like, those are the the ways I'm seeing DeFi could actually help, and then uh, the whole interoperability as well can help in making things a lot easier using the blockchain. Excellent. Now, thank you so much for that. All right, um, guys, I think we've um, probably gone over the hour, and um, I'm I do have there is a lot more questions, but um, I think what we might do is save them for another time. Uh, it's been fantastic having you all on board and, and listening to you all tonight. Uh, and I know we've had a few little issues with people with uh, internet connections and um, uh, probably a few of the speakers couldn't even get up tonight. Um, and we're sorry about that, but we'll bring them back uh, on another another X Talks. Thank you all so much for participating and um, uh, we'll say good night or good morning or good afternoon, wherever you may be. Thank you so much yeah, thank for everyone. having us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us. One last thing before we uh, we close the space. Um, our testnet is live, so anybody on this space that is uh, willing to check out our product can just uh, DM me or Jonathan, and then we can add you to the testnet whitelist to check out our product. But yeah, thank you very much for having us. Thank, uh, thank you, everyone, for uh, jumping in this X Talks. Uh, just a reminder that if you aren't in our Discord, uh, 
please join uh, if you if you have if you know any projects that would like to do ama with us check out the, our page called interoperability xtox uh, send us a dm and we'll take care from there thank you everyone everyone for jumping in see you all in the next episode of xtox bye bye thank you bye bye